Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about turducken games? Tur- turducken games? Yeah, that's like when you take like a regular role-playing game and then like you put another role-playing game in it and, oh, and, and play it. Right. So like the time in 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 that like Firefly-esque game that I was playing where we like did a tur ship in and we took a big ship and we put a like flew a little ship inside of it and then flew the big ship through like a, a warp gate thing. Um yes, but with role playing games. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host who likes to put microscope uh, into a number of my games to make uh, histories. My name is Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who loves putting yes into games for flashbacks. (laughs) Excellent. You caught right on to the... Yeah, I'm really yeah. good at it now. We've been doing this for a while. Yes. <laughs> uh, shockingly, today's episode comes from us. Yeah, weird. Like weird, that doesn't right? happen very often. But I weird. found a I found a post-it note in my inbox <laughs> on my desk that said we were supposed to talk about this. So I figured we should probably talk about it. And that is... We are going to talk about... Um, Turducken games, aka how to use other systems or games for flashbacks or side plots or basically other purposes that you can hook into your actual campaign game. I originally said we didn't have any definitions for this, but as I was talking to you during uh, pre-show, I realized <laughs> that we have like one like little definition. Uh, surprise definition. Yeah. Please. So we're going to just use the term main game. Oh, that's as funny. the role-playing game that you set out to originally play. It's what you had your session zero in. Um, it is the game that you are playing week to week. And then we're going to call the other one the side game, right? The side game is going to be the game that you added to the main game for some reason, which we will talk about shortly. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to give an example of this, mm-hmm. which is, um, my main game would be Swords Without Master, mm-hmm. right? I want to play a game of Swords Without Master, some, you know, rogues doing cool roguish shit. Yep. Um, but my side game would be Alex Roberts for the Queen as a way to describe the characters mm-hmm. and to um, talk about everything that leads up to the moment I want to start my Swords Without Master game which is the last card in for the queen, right? Yes. The queen is, the queen under, is under attack, attack, right? So that would be, Start I would play the rogues phase, <laughs> right? No, not the rogues. Um, Maybe the well, rogues phase, maybe a perilous phase. Okay. You could start it with perilous or yes. it depends on what your purpose was and how you did it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, I think like that combo for me, um, is one that I've toyed with for a while. And just honestly, the pandemic hit before we had a chance to, uh, for a number of us to be together to just kind of play it and see what happened. I know, um, that'd be cool. <laughs> but again, my main game being Sword with, Swords Without Master, my side game being For the Queen as an opening to kind of 
build up what happens in the swords game. Yeah. Um, or most recently, and I think it might have been the discussion of this that prompted this topic, um, and now I keep talking about it because now it's still an ongoing thing for us in my current game group, um, which is uh, using the game Yes as a side game um, for flashbacks. And most recently we did this in Monster Hearts to find out how the ghost died. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Which is information that still hasn't been revealed in the game. <laughs> right. But totally fun that you guys actually went from not knowing to like, hey, let's play this, let's play this side game uh, and, and actually come up with what happened. Right. Especially because it meant that the answer is, you know, more interesting, I think, mm-hmm. than it would have been if we had gone with some of the, you know, more obvious. Agreed, answers. agreed. Yeah. It's very All right, good. cool. All right, so all right, so that is that is what we're talking about. Let me tell you what we're not talking about, right? I want to make a fine, I want to make a distinction here, yes, um, for the episode. What we're not talking about is taking the rules from a game and importing or grafting them onto your game. For instance, like if I'm playing Five um, E and I take the wilderness travel rules from uh, Forbidden Lands and I just like add them to my Five E game, that. Um, is a separate topic. One that I think we did a long time ago that we might have called drifting rules. It was either done here or on the misdirected mark. I one or the other. Um, but that's a but that's a very different process because that the idea with that is that you are extracting a rule set, a subset or whatever from a, another game, and then you're going to kind of rework it a bit to fit into your main game. Yeah. Okay, that's a very different thing than what we're talking about. We are talking about literally going to play another role-playing game to inform something about your main game. Yes. Okay, you're 100% on this with me? I am 100% I... on it with you. I do it all the time. Okay, I just I'm, I want to make sure that we're explicitly clear about it so that yeah. when people listen, they don't covering. get the wrong idea. Okay, yes, cool. Yes, absolutely, cool. All righty. So the, the real question is actually, uh, why would you do this? Right. The idea, like, why, why Why are we talking about this? Why would you do it? Um, And the answer is 42. Actually, it's not. But um, the idea is that the other system, the side game system, does something really well um, and is fun to play and produces um, some kind of desired outcome that then fits in with the overall story. Right. Mm -hmm. So this the system that you tack on as a side game um, specifically does something that your normal game does not do either at all or as well, right? Just because it's maybe not the focus of that game. Yeah, like for instance, in um, in my uh, in a masks campaign I ran a couple of years ago, uh, I wanted to do a whole bunch of history stuff about uh, Halcyon City because um, I wanted in any good comic series you need back issues, right? So I needed oh, some. Yeah. I needed previous bad guys, previous good guys, previous events. So I uh, modified Microscope. And, uh, oh, so my point is, there's nothing in Masks that does this for the game, right? It just, Halcyon cities, your, you know, stereotypical superhero city kind of thing, right? And and go, right? So I then went to Microscope, which is a game that specializes in making histories, right? (laughs) And And used a modified version of that to then um, make the history 
from the 19, I think from World War II all the way to modern time. And then we used that material that we created for the, for the players to make their characters up and tie some of their backstory into some of the backstory of the game. And then we actually, for the rest of the campaign, I just mined that, um, that, that rich backstory for plot ideas, villains and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's specifically, that's, we should say there's a couple of ways you can do this, right? Yeah, and what absolutely. you're talking about is using it as a precursor to define things before your game starts. Absolutely. Um, which I've also used Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, <laughs> microscope for. Similarly, like I, I wasn't running this game. Thank you, Quincy, for being awesome. Um, we actually used it um, as a precursor to our second Tales from the Loop game because we needed to bridge the time and what had happened to our characters between our first Tales from the Loop game and our second Tales from the Loop game, which happened 10 years later, right? Yep. Um, and we knew like actual world events that had happened. So those were like our, our markers um, as we went. And then we inserted the personal histories um, for everybody as we, uh, as we went. And that's how we figured out like where, where were our characters now? What had happened to them since the original events? Um, so yeah, Microscope is great for things like that right yeah it's it's really it's really excellent uh, another way um which is funny because um this is the main way you actually <laughs> yes, use it, it right it's okay i'm going to talk about it when you, you know, exactly another way that, another way that you can use one of these side games is as a flashback right and that is to play out something that has happened previously in the timeline but has not actually happened in the game yeah. Right? Like from the the game started at some point in time and went forward and you're going to use this side game to play out something that happened before that point, that session one point. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and we've, we've, we, my game group, we've used this for everything from like my teenage character's parents um, to, you know, how did the ghost die to like, um, how had these two characters previously met or interacted before everything started? Because we know that they know each other and they have like an antagonistic relationship, but we don't know why or whatever. Um, so we will pull out yes, pretty much for anything. Um, because for flashbacks, um, it has a predetermined end point. Um, and that makes it ideal for playing um, anything that has a predetermined endpoint. Now, I should say, we're definitely kind of hacking it. The actual game of Yes is specifically built to tell um, queer romance stories um, with happy endings, which is also an amazing way to play it. But um, but we do warp it because you can take the, that structure and say there's an endpoint and then just play it. <laughs> sure. Right? That's great. Um yeah. So the, the third way that you can use a side game is um, basically as a subsystem, right? So this is inserting it kind of into more of the current or actual storyline as you continue through your campaign. Um, and that's to play out something that is currently happening. Um, an example that I don't think either of us have done yet, but I think would be really cool um, would be to actually use Turning Point 
um, to play out a major decision of a character, probably an NPC, because if it was a PC, then, you know, people... They just make the decision. Right, they would just right. make the decision, and they would probably want to have control over that decision. But if you have a major NPC in your game who's confronted with a big life decision, it might be really cool to um, to kind of have that moment out of the main game system to see what they would decide as a group, right? Could be really neat. Yeah, I would totally, um, I, I would, would do totally that. do this for a major NPC. Like maybe the king is deciding whether to go to battle or not, or, oh, you know, man, whether, yeah. whatever, like, right, whatever it needs to be. But what I, you know, then dropping into this side game of like, cool, like, let's play out the, like, let's play out what's going on in this character's mind yes. and let's play it through some crucial scenes of their past. Yes. Right. To better understand them. And then whatever that decision is, you then fold it back into the campaign. Into the story. And then you see what happens. And everybody knows why they made that decision. Exactly. Because they were all involved in making it. Ugh. So freaking cool. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I totally agree. Right? Like, I... It would totally work for something like that. It absolutely, absolutely would. Um, Yeah. Especially if you as the GM... Like, like, let's say that like this, like, let's say that you have this like NPC and um, the decision they're hinging on is going to have a major effect on the campaign world. And you as the GM are like, hmm, I don't know if I want to be solely responsible for this decision. Sure. Right. Like, like whichever way this is going to go, it profoundly affects the players and some players may or may not like either of these outcomes. And I don't know if I want to be on the hook for that by just arbitrarily picking what the what what this character does. You could then drop into turning point and as a group play out the character's thought process, arrive at a decision that as a group the game is designed to bring you to. Mm-hmm. And then be like, well, he decided to obliterate that like civilization. Yep. Like well wow and then (laughs) you know you're like you're in it like you're back in the game and you're like and and again it's just like you said like the the players will the players will know not the characters but the players will be like why did you do this and honestly the gm having played through that whole thought process will have a ton of material to have like a conversation about it and be like i had no choice they were a threat knowing like all this stuff about them being afraid and stuff because those are the scenes that you played out right exactly like that would be really cool it 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 could be it's interesting because since it doesn't have a predetermined endpoint you can't guarantee it would work like this right but it has the potential to be the birthplace of a very big bad, right? <laughs> like, well, I, I honestly I think know. it um, it kind of does because when you set up the dilemma, you set up the two stakes that are um, you set up the two stakes. You can't you can't prescribe which one's going to happen exactly. So if you want them to be the big bad, yeah, then the stakes are things. <laughs> well, the stakes are which big bad are they going yeah. to be? Right? Are they yes. going to be? Are they going to be devoid of empathy? Yep. Or are they going to be a bad guy who is doing things um, like they think they're doing good, right? Like they're not yes. a nihilist. They're like, they think they're trying to make things better by doing bad things as opposed to like, fuck it, I'm going to burn this shit down. <laughs> right. Right. Or like the two options might be like obliterate the civilization or, you know, something equally as awful um and those might be the only two resolutions that that character can imagine yeah um even though they think they're doing good right 
anyway, not to plug our own game, but hey, Turning but Point. That would be um, really cool. And I'm now excited about the concept of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would require some work because um, we have not released the main game. So um, we haven't released the writing on how to write your how to write a dilemma yet. Yeah. Um, but if somebody was like super hot on that and was like a fan of Turning Point, if you email us, we could help you with that. <laughs> yes. Like we could totally help you with that. There is a manuscript for how to write yeah. one of those already written. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, I think a complete draft of the book, isn't there? There is a complete draft of we the book. We haven't finished um, doing edits. No, and- in the, in the, um, what you call it? When we get to the Bamboo Lounge, I may talk about, um, I may I maybe talk about something about how we might publish this game. I have had some thoughts about it. Yeah, the pandemic um, has certainly changed our uh, plans a little bit. Anyway, but that that is outside the scope of this particular conversation. Let's talk instead about some games that are super good as side games. Yeah, we're not going to call out any games in particular. We've named a bunch already. Yeah, we so have. Just actually. keep those in mind. <laughs> what we're going to tell you is how to um, what to keep an eye out for. Right. Because there are there are some games that are better for this than others. Um, Our our first tip is just avoid full size RPGs as your side game. Like don't play Forbidden Lands as your side game for your D&D 5e game. Yeah. Right. That's not helping you. Um, And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, This is the place where one shot indie games seriously work really well for this. And. Not just the popular ones that you know, but like go hit up itch, yeah, and look for other people's one shot um indie games because here so let me explain why we're looking for some characteristics here, right? Yes, um first of all, we're looking for simple character stats, right um because we we don't want to have to do any real complex um conversions here, right? So simple character stats designed for a one shot. Right, it's made to be played in one in one sitting. That's going to be important later when we talk about how to implement one of these well. But we want it to be a one shot game. We want streamlined and simple mechanics. If you're already learning one game and you're about to jam another like game into it, turducken game, then like learning a super complex game is you know a lot to ask, and might be too much to ask. Yeah. Uh, And then lastly. Well, and this is, I think, the most important. I put it at the end, but it really, like, it's... I'm going to put a star next to it, right? This is probably the most important thing you should look for. The game is focused on a very narrow play experience. That is, it does one thing. Yeah. Right? If you look at the games that we've been talking about, they do one thing. Yes. They Um, do one thing, and they do that one thing really well, because that's... Right, because the whole game was engineered to do one thing. thing. Right, turning point is completely engineered to resolve what a single character is going a a, a single binary decision that a character is going to make. They are either going to do A or B. Yes. Right. The game just plays it out to tell you which choice they're going to make. Right. Yes. Yes, always ends like in Um, a good place. Well, yes, always ends on the scene that you predetermined at the beginning of the game it was going to end on exactly right 
right? So perfect. Okay, that's really like star, 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 focused on narrow play experience. If you find a game that's like, this system does everything, mm, you're kind of missing the... Um, yeah, You're kind of- yeah. Stuffing an everything system into another everything system, or even an everything system into a like a, a PBTA game or something, it's probably not going to accomplish the cool feel of the side game that um, is what makes this fun to do. I was just having a very funny moment thinking about um, Star Trek as the main game, and as the side game, lasers and feelings. <laughs> Right, like something happens to the bridge crew, and you just go make up like your lasers <laughs> you, and feeling characters you go as make your up lower your decks. red shirts. Yes, and you play you play lower decks for an episode to save exactly. the bridge crew, and then yeah, and then go back to your Star Trek. Amazing. Game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I so, would do that. <laughs> so I just talked about how to um, how to find good games for this, like what to look for in a game. How do we how do we do it? How do you implement it? Well, the first thing always, and I don't think that we can ever, you know, say the word communication enough, but the first thing that you need to have um, is consent. And we'll just say it like that. That means that you're not, you know, surprising everybody at the table. Don't be clever. Um, you know, make sure everybody's on board. Don't do a bait and switch. Um, you know. I mean, I, there will be people who will bristle with this. Like when I say these things, like when we say this, right? Like people will be like, no, you can totally like surprise people. Yes. You can always surprise people with stuff, whether they take it well or not. Yeah. Is a different thing, right? And if, why leave that up to chance? Right. Like I get it that people think that surprise is awesome, but I don't know. It's not always awesome. I um, like story surprises, but I am not always on board for real life surprises. Um, there it's true. are like, certainly circumstances in which I think like, and I, I think it may depend a little bit if you could pull this off as a surprise will depend on things like how much trust is there in your group? Does everybody already know the rules and like the side game that you're trying to jam in, etc. Like you might be able to pull it off under the right circumstances, but why take that chance? So, right, like, here's a good example. You're going to surprise everybody with subgame X, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe you don't know that somebody in your group hates subgame X, yeah. right? They played it at a con, they had an absolutely awful time with it, or they've, whatever, and they, like, they loathe this game, and then you're like, surprise, players, we're going to play subgame X, and they're like, are you fucking kidding me? I came here to play Dungeon World. I hate that game. Uh-huh. Right? Like, that's, like, consent. Just get consent. It really... It really is okay. It doesn't actually diminish the experience, no. right? Like if players know that they're going to switch into a game and they're all cool and excited with it, they'll just switch into it easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. What other it, things? I mean, the well, other things are pretty obvious, right? Like what are the other things that we have to do? Right. You, you need to know the game, right? Learn the game. And this is actually, it ties into not surprising people with it because if you're going along in a game that everybody knows really well and you're like, surprise, we're playing something totally different now and everybody goes, well, I don't understand how this one works and I have never played it before. Um, you know, sometimes that's an easy transition if the rules are simple, but sometimes it's not, right? Yeah. Um, so learn the game, 
And that way also coming into it, anybody else who may not know the game, as long as you know the game, you're going to be teaching it, right? And they have an expectation that they are learning it. Yep. Cool. What's the next one? Uh, determine where in the where this side game fits into your main game, mm-hmm. right? So if you want it, like you probably, if you're coming at this, you probably know exactly where you want to fit it, right? You probably have some idea in mind, like, hey, I want to do a precursor microscope game to get us our campaign world, or hey, I want to, you know, like I want to use yes to drop in and do some flashbacks, or whatever. But but if you're just kind of like, oh man, this this indie game is cool, like it's about. Um, you know, facing down your enemy kind of thing. Like then you might want to stop and think like, where in this game do I want to put it? Right. We're going to give some general tips about like how many times you should use it, that kind of thing, but give it some thought. Where do you think it's going to go? Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and I think the other part is uh, making a decision about if you are specifically saying, I know that at some point in this game, I want to have a flashback. Or I know at the beginning of this game, I need to create a whole bunch of rich history, et cetera, right? Um, But it's also, it it is also okay to say, well, I'm going to keep yes in my back pocket because if we have a day that someone doesn't show up, playing a flashback is something that we can do without having the whole party of people, right? So the real reason that I've played a ton of flashbacks in yes is because we've been really excited about the campaign and the characters that we were playing and we wanted to stay involved and invested in that, but we were missing enough people from the table that we couldn't play the main game and so we mined the history that we had created for flashbacks that we could play and it wasn't necessarily planned in advance as part of the campaign but um it is kind of a thing that there is now an expectation in our group that like if people are gone then we like we'll probably play a flashback (laughs) and like we're cool with that and then we just come together and kind of figure out what that flashback is and how we make sure it doesn't interfere um, with anything that, you know, the person or people who are gone um, with their character at all um, in a way that they wouldn't be good with. Um, and then, you know, we go from there. So so I think there's also a part that's like, it can be a thing that you're like, cool, and if someone's gone, then we'll do X. And you can just tell people like, cool, you're going to be gone next week, so we're going to do this other side thing um, or whatever that is, right? Um, but totally. to know how you want to use it, I think is the yeah. purpose here. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, lastly, which I think is pretty obvious, right? You're going to convert, convert characters over. And what I mean by this is, Hey, if you are the GM and you're going to, um, and you're rolling this out, like it would be great if you had a little extra time to convert it over. Or if you know, you're going to do this and just have the character, like players work on it. Like, Hey, um, you know, we're totally going to play whatever. We're going to play subsystem X. We're going to play lasers and feelings. Um, next session, do yourself a favor, just do the first, like do the first couple steps of lasers and feelings before we hit the table. Yeah. Just pick your number, pick your, you know, pick your number, pick your traits and like, we'll come together. We'll real quick figure out how we recreate our ship and then we'll start. Yeah. Or, Hey, you guys do that. I'll take care of the ship and I'll, you know, I'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, general tips, want to just bounce back and forth, ping pong these? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, um, the first one is to try to fit the side game in as a single session. Um, and that's, um, it makes it really easy because you've got a start and a finish within that session. You're not trying to switch games in the same play session and it keeps things really clean and neat and, um, is especially true if you are doing something like what my crew does usually, which is this is coverage because someone is gone, um, you don't want that to drip over into when someone is back, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, then it starts messing things up, right? Because that person does, comes yeah. back and you're like, well, we're now playing this game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. well, we're, I'm sorry, we're in the middle of the flashback finding out how you died. You right. need to go plug your ears for another half an hour. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this one, people will argue and bristle, but I'm just, I'm just giving these tips out. Take them with a grain of salt or, you know, use which ones. Your mileage may vary. Um, use this technique sparingly right? A couple times in your campaign. Now, I, I will caveat that with if you're doing it because of blown game, right? Yeah, that's different. That's different. Just use it when there's a blown game. But if you're like going to do the turning point thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Don't do that for like every NPC or like every adventure. <laughs> this NPC needs to decide if he wants orange juice or coffee with his breakfast. Let's right. have a breakout Off to session. turning point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, like save it for like, save it like a couple, like once or twice in a campaign. It's a cool way to add, f- like add flavor without like overdoing it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Agree. Next um, one. And then the the next one is um, only introduce one system in a campaign. And I think that's pretty fair, right? Like, I don't think that you would necessarily want to um, be running um, a game of, I, I don't know, even just D&D and then be having flashbacks in Yes, playing out major NPC decisions in Turning Point, and also you did Microscope to start it. And people might be like, are we actually playing D&D? Yeah. What are now, we playing? <laughs> I, I will say this, right? I put this up as well. I totally agree with it. I could see somebody setting out to do a campaign like that. Like, hey, we're going to play this. Like, you know, we're going to play all these indie games inside the framework of this campaign. Yeah. I'm not recommending it. But if you're doing it because you want to, like, climb Everest or something, like, <laughs> like sure. it's like, you know, sure. win a world record, like for most games stuffed inside a game, like, whatever, like, it's fine. Do it. But I'm with I mean, you. Like. I th- I do think I mean I think the the furthest that I would I would personally ever go with that um, with a campaign is that if you had one game that was a precursor and one game that you dropped in for coverage and or had planned for specific um, events sparingly within the actual game so that they weren't like both coming up in the middle of the game at random. I think that might be doable that like you might create history and then go into the, the, the main game for a while and then maybe have a turning points game and then go back to the main game for a while. But I don't think that I would mi- take like a bucket of like 15 different little indie games and dump them all in. Right. Like <laughs> I will say this. I will say that um, I will say that part of how many games you can stuff into a game is going to be determined by your system mastery of all these other games. Yeah. Like if you are super good and familiar at playing these other games and you want to drop one in or two in in a campaign, I think it's fine because it's not going to be that disruptive if the whole group can seamlessly like, oh, cool, we're going to do a turning point thing. Great. We've all played a ton of turning point. We all know exactly what to do here. Let's jump in and do it. Yeah. Um, But if they're if they're games that people aren't familiar with, like they don't have system mastery and comfort in, then every time you are introducing one of these into the game, you are creating a disruption. I now want to write a document this is what's happening as we're sitting here having this conversation. I want to write a document that is just like an outline for um, just using like 
mini indie games to play an entire campaign, but there actually isn't an overall main game system. There is only the engagement of side games whenever yeah. you need to resolve a specific style of thing. That would yeah. be a disaster, and I still want it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a hot mess. I mean, it, it, can it be done? Yes. Probably. Can it be played? Probably. My, my, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, and say that the Game Boys could pull this off. Um, it, it, it's it's a bonkers enough idea that like for novelty pers- purposes, it'd be fun to try. The problem is we would probably each play play each side game for like five times as long as it was intended to be played for, and never play ever ever. I play finish. I play all my games five times longer than they're intended <laughs> to be played. So it took right. us like six months to finish our traveling home. <laughs> All right, um, uh, let's see. Anyway, where were we? I'm oh, so sorry. Oh, I think I got the next yeah, one. Yeah, 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 you do it. Right, the next one I'm going to say is this. Um, again, people are going to disagree, but I don't care. I'm just going to say this. Like, <laughs> use these side games in the opening or rising action or even in the denouement, maybe, of an arc. Primarily opening and rising action. What I'm trying to tell you here is don't use a side game for the climax of your game. You came to play the main game the climax of your arc should be in the game you are playing there are of course exceptions to this but i'm standing by this statement right like if if we if we're here to play some dungeon world i better get to the climax playing dungeon world it'd be cool if we're playing some other side things that get like inform us about everything before the climax that's that's awesome but i i signed up to play a game I expect to play the game, especially at the climax. I'm really hunting for how to make that into a bunch of jokes about the word climax because you said it a lot, but I'm not finding any good ones that I feel comfortable saying on the mics today. So I'm just going to smirk and move on. Um, (laughs) There you go. So the last tip that we actually have is to clearly set the stakes for what your side game is is going to accomplish like why are you doing this um and so if this is say a flashback in yes then when we're sitting down to do that we're clearly saying that um we are playing this game to find out x you know we're playing this game to find out how my um pirate space pirate queen mom got together with this clone like how did that happen because he was like a bounty hunter right so like how did this turn into this romance and we ended up on the ship okay so like that the 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 stakes or the goal of what we're trying to accomplish with that game of yes is finding out how that relationship happened and how my character came to be born into the world or at least you know theoretically um or you know how did the ghost die or what will this main npc decide right so know what the stakes are because that makes it very clear both to you and to the players at your table why are we playing this game so that you are making sure that you're using it for a purpose that it will accomplish and that everyone is moving towards that purpose together in a direction that still pushes the story along right mm-hmm. cool yeah cool cool all right, we're going to end out our episode with some examples of um, some Turducken games that we've actually done. Yes. And some that we just made up some by just we, looking at a bunch of games yeah. and like sticking them together and now, being like, now, well, that seems interesting. Things that we now want to do. Yeah, yeah things, we totally would t- <laughs> things that we totally would play. <laughs> yes. I, I will say confidently everything on this list is something I would play. Yes. 
Okay. Cool. Um, I'll, I'll do the first one because it's my, uh, it actually was from my game. And then you have one that's um, just like it, which we talked about. So I'll say it briefly. Yes. Uh, microscope uh, as the precursor and world building for masks. Uh, totally, totally did this. Used microscope to make up our comic book history of our campaign world. It was chef's kiss. Mwah, amazing. I will just note that the um, only thing that I added to it that I put in as a requirement was for each of the major ages. We did the golden age, silver age, um, the like steel age 90s and then modern time. The only thing that I required was that one of the items that had to be discussed was uh, what is the main crossover comic book event that defines this age. That is amazing. Um, and that was, and that was huge because that actually played a lot into like the ideas that came from that played a lot into the rest of the, the shape of the campaign. So, okay. That's, that's me. You've right. also done this. I, one. I have also done this one and I mentioned it before. So I'll just say very briefly, um, you know, we played a tales from the loop campaign that took place in 1980. <coughs> um, and, we were too impatient for things from the flood to get all the way out. Um, so a couple years later, we uh, we picked up that game and those characters again, but we wanted to play them in the 90s, not the 80s. So we moved them forward to 1990. <coughs> um, and um, to bridge what had happened to our characters between those two times, um, we basically laid out a game of microscope that had some actual events, right, that happened between the 80s and the 90s, um, you know, to, to actually make things happen. And then we put in our personal stuff like, oh, you know, my character went to college and met her fiance and we discovered a lot about their relationship. And then because of all of this stuff that we kind of learned about it, um, the campaign ended up starting on the day of my wedding when it was we were supposed to get married. We didn't. <laughs> oh, I remember. Because there was an alien invasion instead, but you know. Um, but we were supposed to get married, um, but it was, uh, it was our effective way to bring Brett into the group. He had uh, not been in the group for the previous Tales from the Loop game, and I think it was highly effective um, because it meant that he got to also sit there with us and build um, personal history into that and be built into um, especially my personal history right because we built mm -hmm. in like oh this is when we met and this is how we met and like what we were doing and, like this is you know all this stuff right and then we built his personal history in as Chaz from Chaz Corp <laughs> yeah. anyway so the other one that I have to talk about because I talk about it all the time of course is that we do use yes for a lot of things um, and uh, we've used it Gosh, we started using it, I think Scum and Villainy was the first time that we did it, when we did flashback. We flashed back a number of times in that game, but um, the first time that we did it ever was discovering how my character's parents got together, since it was a wanted space pirate queen and a clone bounty hunter, and it was very... Oh, oh it was so good. There's fan art. <laughs> Not fan art. There is original art drawn by one of the people who was participating, um of one of the events in there. It was amazing. Um, and it built a lot of backstory also for um, like my dad's brother, who was a, an actual character in the game and that sort of thing. Um, we played some other backstories um, for that campaign. And yes, um, we played flashbacks for, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of games that we haven't played flashbacks for actually, but definitely we've done monster hearts. I've been talking about that a lot recently. Um, yeah, it's great. 
It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We played an entire campaign in Yes, though, which is basically a series of strung together one shots. <laughs> sure. With predetermined endpoints that were individual um, comic book like episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And each comic episode kind of had an endpoint, and then we just played through each one. Um, that was also fun. Anyway. I'll jump through the next one really quick. We've talked about it a bunch of times for the queen as the precursor for playing swords without master. Heck yes. Um, breaking the ice from the romance trilogy, um, which is the first one, the get to know you one um, going into thirsty sword lesbians or, or, or intermixed or in the middle. Intermixed. Right? Like, it would totally work. Ugh. Right. Like, like you've, you've come up against your rival, Right, and now you're no, going to go on your like three ice. dates. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of uh, thing. That makes me. Uh, that makes me chuckle. Uh, the next one is technically a board game, but I have argued this before that this game is really just an indie game masquerading as a board game because it was picked up by a board game publisher, um, which is before there were stars, uh, which is from Smirkin. Um, smirk and dagger but i think that it's under their other imprint um but this is if you're not familiar with it this is a game um where you make up a mythology based on um based on these um constellation cards that are out on a tableau and then you roll these star dice and then you have to like kind of like use the dice to find a constellation and then each phase of the game you tell a different story about your mythology you could totally use before there were stars to create a mythology for your insert fantasy game yes could be dungeon world could 100%. be whatever yes like just whatever fantasy game you could use before they were stars by the way if you haven't played before they were stars it is a lovely indie it's really um, beautiful. story it's a lovely indie storytelling game that looks like a board game so you yeah. can bring it to your board game yeah, you can uh, club and make them play it and trick them into telling stories. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, you can also do um, something like One Quiet Year or Companion's Tale um, going into from from that like setup point into another game that, you know, you want it to lead into. So for like example, One Quiet Year might um, might lead into something post-apocalyptic. Might be an apocalypse world game, oh, right? I that would hundred percent. I hundred percent would play one quiet year, make out the whole map, and then start playing apocalypse world as like people who like kind of wander in, discover or, the, or start in that area. Yeah, the ruins of this previous civilization with that history mm-hmm. um, that was there. That would be super cool. Um, I actually have one more. Um, like there, and there's so many, so many, many more, just to be clear. Um, this is just sort of some that we pulled out. Um, one of the games that we played on, she's a super geek back in 2020 was, um, couldn't stand still if you tried, um, which is a long distance game, um, where you basically, uh, write, um, forum board entries as like space truckers, um, and not having met each other, but like having this communication point, um, Going from that game into some kind of sci-fi like team heist thing, I think mm-hmm. would be really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, that actually could also be scum and villainy. Yes, actually, one hundred percent, it would work. Or or orbital blues, right? I'm excited to read through orbital blues and discover, but orbital blues would be another really good choice there, right? 
Um, so yeah, because I think that would give you know characters backstory and history before they came together, but like also have a little bit of like how you met um, stuff happening in it. Uh, very cool. I believe that's the one that comes with a soundtrack, um, and it plays pretty quickly. But it also would be cool because if say for some reason you couldn't get together to be in person for your first session you could do something like that and then move into an in-person or continuing online game um so i bring that one up because it works very very well online indeed cool all right that's our topic on turducken games right the (laughs) use of one game um just stuff that game in there stuffed into the other game um Anyway, um, all right, a couple tips or a couple a couple things to wrap up on, right? Just a couple points to make clear. Um, your side game should best be a rel- relatively streamlined, tightly focused indie game, something you can play in a session, something that you should play during the rising action or opening of your game and, you know, use it to enhance your main game. If you find yourself only playing the side game, you probably should have just been playing the side game and not the main game. This is why we ended up playing a whole campaign of yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. That's the whole point. Okay. Um, anyway, um, it's cool. You should try it. Um, it's a way to, you know, just kind of mix some of your um, your stuff together in ways that you may not have thought of. Um, I'll also say this. If you want to on Twitter... Um, shout us out, um, you know, name the episode and shout us out your, um, turducken combination. Oh man. I really want to hear them. I bet there's like, there's so many that we didn't even think of. Right. I, I yeah, really... oh, hardly barely scraped the surface. Right. Yes. Just yes. Like, please tell us your favorite game combination that you have or would like to play or list, exactly. list them out. It doesn't have to just be one. You don't have to pick no, Indeed. no favorite children here. Yep. Sound good? Yes. Cool. All right. Um, in order for us to get to the closing, please tell me about uh, another game. Uh, tell me about another show here on the Mistructive Mark Network. <laughs> I was going to say another game? Another one? You want me to come up with another one? <laughs> no. Um, just another show. Cool. All right. Well, uh, There is Super Geek is an actual play one shot live streamed um, and created by three BIMPOC players who highlight um, the voices of marginalized folks in the tabletop RPG scene. They feature gender marginalized GMs and a diverse cast of rotating characters. Uh, Tune in every Thursday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Misdirected Mark Twitch, or you can catch it as a podcast as well. I believe they are starting back into their new season here in the new year very shortly. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool indeed. Cool. Say, Cinda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can find us on, uh, uh, I already said Twitter. Uh, where else can you find us? <laughs> we do these bespoke, just so you know. And we actually make it don't... Up, make it, we literally make it up every time we there's, talk. There's no script written down for it anymore, so it's all just based on memory, which you'd think I would be able to do by now. Um, you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com or you can find us on the dicky talkies good luck <laughs> give it a try and once you find us in one of those places uh what can what can you do with that information sure unlike today's episode which is a absolute anomaly that we come up with our own topic <laughs> um you should send us some topics um honestly look we really like we're at like 96 percent um sourced 
uh, topics for the show. We almost never come up with our own. We actually rely heavily upon all of you um, to toss ideas at us. There's a reason for it, right? I mean, one, we're lazy, but two, the real reason for it. <laughs> the other reason. The real reason for it is this. Our job here is to help you play better games, right? We want you to have fun when you hit the table. And sometimes there are things about RPGs that aren't necessarily fun because we don't have mastery over them or we don't understand what we should do or we run into, you know, we don't know how to do a certain technique at the table for something, right? And that makes the game not fun. And if that happens too many times, you'll go find a hobby that's more fun than this one. And we love this hobby. And the only way it grows is for people to GM and to play games and to facilitate games and things like that. That's where we come in. What we want to do is take the things that are on your mind and brainstorm up some ideas for you. We have a, we have decades upon decades of role-playing experience to draw upon. Um, we've been doing this for many, many years. And so if you have an, if you have, if you have something on your mind, something that's like a thing you are struggling with in the game, we will come up with some ideas to help you out with it. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. Like, I mean, it's good for us too, because we learn a lot when we do these things. Yes. We come up with, you know, we come up with this stuff too. So it it benefits us as well. But really, I, I can't stress enough when I say this. People will say that people have to make games in order for there to be a hobby. They don't. There are yeah, plenty of games that are already games. in existence. Mm-hmm. For this game, for this to be a hobby, people need to play games. And the truth is, while we're still in the phase of this of this where we have GM-based games, the real way we're going to have games is because we have GMs who are running them. Yes. Right? There are way more players than GMs. We need GMs to run games. Otherwise, there isn't a hobby here. So we need you. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to help you out. That's a long way to go for please send us some topics, yes, right? So, but please a- send us some topics. <laughs> anyway, if you like what we're doing here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please su- please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. You will get access to the Bamboo Lounge, the bonus outtakes from Misdirected Mark, and you will get entry into our Slack room for life. Um, I love the place. I don't want to go on too much about it, but you can come to our um, Friday luncheons. If you are working from home or something, you want to just kind of meet some people. It's a bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, we don't moderate it very, I mean, we moderate it as in everybody's behaved, but there's a lot of talking. There's no topics. Like yeah. we just hang out and just like Chill. whatever comes up, comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, you get those things. And you also, your patronage uh, helps support the operations of the network, right? The, the web hosting backups, mics, cables, blah, 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 blah. Um, It's all important. And none of it would be possible without our current patrons. So we thank our current patrons very much. If you you can, we would love if you could um, patron us. And if you can't, we totally understand. Um, There's still other stuff you can do, which, Senda, I have said it in a nutshell. What is it? What what should people be doing? Well, you can leave can us, us. Uh, you can leave us ratings or reviews. No, no, no. no. You can talk about us. <laughs> no, no. Do my part. Oh, okay. Do my you part. Want me to where do you your just your bit. Well, and then tell, you can do the tell. Right. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell other people. Tell random people on the internet, which you can either do by responding to tweets and stuff or whatever social media comes up when somebody says, hey, I'm looking for a good RPG podcast and I don't like listening to actual play or I want advice on GMing or whatever it is. Or what's your favorite TTRPG podcast? If we are your favorite TTRPG podcast, hey, we love you. Um, Wow. 
this is very bespoke today. Um, but really what it comes down to is just spread the word. We really appreciate it. And you can spread the word by telling people or responding to stuff on social media or recommending us to your friends, whatever it is. Or you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And those reviews are kind of like a way of throwing that out to the ether and hopefully helping us with the search algorithms so that other random people with whom you would never have an actual interaction also get told that they should listen to our podcast, which is always the goal. Did that pretty much cover it? I think we you got, got it. it. You totally got it. Yeah, that was that was great. Sorry for throwing that at you like that. Surprise! But just, you know, shake it up, shake it up a little. Cool, cool. Say Senda. Yeah. What? Um, maybe it's a bit early to ask, but which character would you like to, um, go into breaking the ice with in our Thirsty Sword lesbian game? It is a little early. There's there's still a lot of options. I'm not I don't think I'm ready to declare an option. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. 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 Clicky. Clicky. Okie dokies. <clears throat> I got waveforms. How about you? I also have waveforms. And in sharp contrast to the waveforms that I, you were getting from me in Zoom, I'm actually watching them wondering if I need to turn them up a little bit. Um, I will leave that to you before I say the opening. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tweak them up a little bit, and then I'm gonna go. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're good. Sound good? Yeah. All right, hang on. I'm gonna just do make one adjustment myself. I'm just gonna lean back in my chair a little, oh, tip my mic oh, over. Maybe I should be like comfortable before we start. That's probably a good idea. Take a sip of tea. Still not sure. I still have my regular mm. mic stand. I've I've just not sure where I would put the swing arm. Hmm. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I mine is on, well, I have an L-shaped desk, right? So mine is on the back corner of the L, and then I swing it over in front of me, and then when I'm not using it, I swing it back parallel against the wall. Yeah. Not 100% sure yet. I have to kind of take a look. Okay. All right, we good? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. You ready? Yes. Bloop. Cool. Cue music. <laughs> They're shipping. They're shipping.